0: Welcome to Father-Son Galaxy. I am Kerwin. This is Keith. Our guest is Lamont McGee, an Emmy-nominated screenwriter, producer, and co-producer of shows such as Green Lantern, Black Lightning, All-American Homecoming, and the Emmy-nominated Star Wars The Young Jedi Adventures. Lamont is also a member of the Writers Guild of America, who in September agreed to a tentative three-year deal with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers after a five-month writer strike. The contract was ratified in October. Lamont and other writers are looking to reshape the comic book industry. It was announced in November at New York Comic Con that Lamont is now co-founder of Ghost Machine, a media company that gives complete ownership to the creators. Lamont is among eight writers who will own, operate, and profit from their own work. Lamont McGee, welcome to Father Son Galaxy.
1: Hey guys, thanks for having me.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure, thank you so much. Um, Congratulations, first of all, with the writers reaching an agreement with the producers.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm tired of walking.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I can imagine.
1: It was hard fought, and uh, I I believe uh, everybody benefited, so it's good.
2: Yeah. Could you tell us why the writers felt it was necessary to strike?
1: I feel as though um, when you do a job, you want to be fairly compensated for it. And the business model has changed. So what we were working off of was kind of like the old software, basically. And it just needed an upgrade to, to basically show what the market was today like we were the residual structure and like the, you know the money you make off of um tv shows and like when they when they go to reruns it used to be shows would rerun on television and when that happens you would get extra money for the the shows that you've already written and and, and that money would kind of help you through the lean times uh but because of the streaming situation, uh, the residuals went away and, and they got smaller and smaller, among other things. Um, obviously, there was the AI problem of just basically fighting to be uh, fighting to have a career, actually. Um, because computers, you cannot stand in the way of, of, of advancement. But what we don't want is the advancement to discount people and the human condition. Um, So we wanted to make sure that uh, AI could not replace a writer's creativity and a writer's heart and a writer's story. Sometimes like zeros and ones can't uh, they can't tell stories like people can they can't connect like people can and we were just fighting for that as well
2: Mm -hmm. what did the writers receive under the new agreement
1: Ooh, that's a good question uh i'm probably not going to go into supreme details uh, but it's more of again the recognition of and the compensation that went along with what we do it's now it's kind of it's even where before it was a little out of date. Let's just say, like, and like I said about the AI, we got the protection against AI coming in and taking over the the, the taking over our just jobs, our our career. We have a career because we we fought to keep AI from writing the stories that I don't, I don't believe it can, it can write actually. Um, but also if, if you deal with, if you talk about AI and, um, how it would eliminate jobs as well, it's not just our jobs. It would eliminate, it would be the people who worked on set, who built the sets, who, who did the hair. It's like, it was everyone wrapped up in this one fight. And I think that to me, that was the biggest thing we fought so that everyone could maintain their careers, support their families. And, uh, I'm glad we did it. It wasn't easy. Uh, walking around for five months every day was not easy, but it was worth it. And like I said, hopefully we can just move on from here and create amazing things that people can watch and love. And, uh, quote like you know because tv movies it's such a huge part of who we are it's how we connect to people and i'm just glad that we can keep doing that
0: We want to talk a little bit more about ai producers were seriously considering replacing you with ai from what you've heard or what you've seen exactly how were they planning to do that what what in which way there were they going to bring in AI to write the scripts? because Chat GPT, for example, you need someone to, you know, still enter in information regarding a pitch, for example. So exactly how was that going to work with the producers?
1: I I'm I believe again, I am not an expert on this, uh, but I think what you just said is how they're going to do it. It's just enter a prompt, a script is generated. And now they've cut out so many steps. Hmm. But there are so many writers who sued for the copyright infringement of because you have to train AI, AI just can't generate a story out of thin air, it has to learn. And it has to digest other people's material in order to learn how to write a script so all the the scripts that were fed into the tv shows that were fed into it they were uh it basically amounted to copyright infringement as well because it's not a think thank god it's not a thinking organism because i've seen terminator 2 that does not work out well uh so yeah i think it was just they were just going to because it's it's you know scripts take time words take time like it But if you can eliminate the time and just get right into it, that's they were thinking more of the bottom line of it all. And, you know, writing a script is as much art as anything. It's the it's the experiences that you've had. It's the pain, it's the joy, it's the the friendship, it's the family. You pour all that into what you write to connect to people. And uh, I just don't believe personally, that that's something AI is capable of. So I'm glad it worked out this way.
2: Yeah, ChatGPT isn't like a learning model. It's not like it's given information and that it draws its own conclusions. It gets a set of data, which is already biased in its own way, and draws conclusions from those kinds of things. And there's certain biases that can actually sway the AI without it even realizing how far off course it's been. Like, there was one study where they were taking images of patients with and without skin cancer so that the AI could generate them and give people an earlier warning to if they had skin cancer. But it was associating rulers with skin cancer because in most of the photos where there was a patient who tested positive, there was a ruler in the shot. So it's drawing correlations where there are none.
1: Yeah, and and, and it can only especially the AI writing, it's, it's, it can only write what it's given. So if you, if you give it a certain kind of material, it can only write or extrapolate off of that. There is no, like you said, there is no learning.
0: I want to talk about, you know, obviously I'm not a part of the WGA. Um, when you were on strike, what, what, were, what were things that you could and could not do when you were on strike? For example, I, I understand that you couldn't take on or continue any work-related projects, writing, uh, writing projects. Uh, you also couldn't right. promote what you were writing or promote any right. of your previous work. Let's say if you woke up one day, you had an idea for a story, and you wanted to just write it down, um, you know, or type it up, and 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 just uh, store it and save it on your computer. Can you do that while you're on strike? Are you allowed to to, to do
1: that? Uh, to my knowledge and my recollection, you you just couldn't work for. There was no work for hire, okay. so you could not write for any of the struck companies. Um. But if you wanted to write your own story that you weren't giving to anyone, people, I, they can't stop you from writing your own thing. It's yours. Like if you're writing a short story because writers need to write, you write your short story, just save it on your computer. Yeah. Uh, but to you just could not work for companies that we were striking against. Like. When they said pencils down, it was over. Right. Like, you get no more work from us uh, until this deal is done.
0: Right, okay. Uh, right, so you know, you you can't accept paid work. Now, if you no. and another writer wanted to collaborate, let's say you got a phone call from a writer and say, hey, you know, I got an idea that the two of us can work on. You, that would be allowed during the strike. You know, you have the, your, your collaborator working on uh, one side of the, the story, and you're doing a, a different part of the story. You can still collaborate while you're on strike. Again, to my knowledge,
1: yeah. I didn't. But to my knowledge, I'm pretty sure that was okay. Got it. Okay, because it's just two writers working together. As long as it, no one sent it out. It didn't go to anyone but the writers. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it should have been fine. Again, I was. When it was pencils down, I was I was
0: you done. Just didn't write at all. Okay.
1: I didn't write anything. I kept a log in my memory of all the stuff I wanted to get to. Also, it was really hard to write, considering we we're every day we we're fighting for the right to exist, yeah. basically. So to be creative in that vacuum is really hard. So I just focused on what can I do to help with this strike, like I went out as much as I could. I mean, I have a a bad knee, so I was struggling out there, but I was there. And then even when the writers settled, I would go out and walk with the actors because I had actor friends who came out and walked with us when they weren't on strike. So I felt like it was my duty as a friend and as a member of a guild to, if I wasn't on a job, I'm going to go walk with them until they got a fair deal as well. So it was it was six months total of, of our lives. But I, I feel like we all we, – it's like you learned a lot about yourself, about the business, about where you feel like the business is going, and the stuff that you have to do yourself in order to be successful going forward because the model's changing. I mean, it's very obvious. Like this whole strike is because the model changed and we had to adapt to the model and that was, that's what the strike was. Um, And um, we'll see what 2024 holds, but I am optimistic and there's a lot of good people in this town uh, who want to make good good projects. So hopefully we can, all join forces and make great stuff.
0: So now the WGA and the Hollywood producers came to a three-year deal. Is that correct?
1: What? Yeah. It's always three, three years. years. Okay. And then
0: what are both sides? What can both sides do now to make sure that a strike doesn't happen three years from now?
1: Personally, I just believe you just, you have to const- It's like this union with the AMTP and then, then the writers guild and SAG and all the other unions to me, it's like a marriage. Yeah. Like you can't just work every three years. You have to consistently be in communication and working together. And if there's a grievance, let's, like, let's talk about it. I don't, that's just me being optimistic. Like to me, it's like, if it, it'd be easier to avoid, but sometimes things are just unavoidable. Uh, like this strike was unavoidable because the model changed so much and we had to establish a new norm i don't know what's going to look like in three years it's that's also what's the new technology that's going to pop up what's the like you can never truly predict the future uh but my hope is you know we we can kind of stay aware of what's happening in, in Hollywood, and hopefully we don't have to go out again in three years. Uh, but, again, you never know. I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed and say, hopefully we're good for years to come, but if the union decides to that we have to go out and strike, I'll grab my picket sign and I'll be walking in circles again.
2: For writers looking to break into film and television, why is it essential to join the Writers Guild?
1: It's picture yourself on an island. Um, It's either you fending for yourself or the collective looking out for one another. That's pretty much what it is. Uh, If you're in the guild... You have a set of norms and a set of limits that producers have to pay. You You get health care. You get all these things provided by the by the guilds. And if you're doing it on your own, isolated, they can negotiate with you however they see fit. They say, well, if you're not up to this level yet, we're going to pay you beneath the the floor of what uh, people in the guild would get and that would be illegal, they can't do it. So basically, joining the guild is for your own protection so people don't take advantage of you. Got it.
0: So let's talk about the writer's room. I know you've been a part of many writer's room. Um, Talk about the collaborative approach. How does it work and why is it beneficial, especially for episodic episodic television, to have multiple writers working together and coming up with story ideas?
1: from my perspective, I know there are some writers who write the entire series yeah. themselves and it's like one long movie and I, and I get that. Congratulations to you. That's amazing. Personally, I like to write in a group because I, it's different voices. Yeah. It's the, all the episodes don't feel the same and people's experiences are different. So you could say something that sparks an idea in another person that adds to the episode that you're writing. It's because of the experience they lived, like the more voices and the more uh, perspective you get, it makes it feel like, to me, again, it makes it feel like an actual story that could live in reality. Even if some people do have superpowers, we'll get to that later. Uh, it's more of the, the character aspects, like no, no one person is a monolith. Um, there are different types of people in different types of communities and it just keeps the stories fresh and I, I played sports. So I love writer's room cause it's like a big team. It's like, some people are good at this or other people are good at that. And then you put them all together and the stories that come out, they just feel Complete.
0: Got it. Yeah, I I agree with you. I I know there are writers out there who decide to write every single episode for an entire season, uh, which I understand. But you're right. I think you're you're missing different voices, though, um, and diversity in your storytelling. And you're right. At some point, the stories are going to start to feel stale. Um, You know, you just watched the same episode last week, or or fillers that, you know, people are talking about where, you know, one plot line, uh, you you go from one episode to the next episode, but it's not really moving the story forward. Um, Right. Is there anything that, you know, we can't, as a writer, you know, I guess the guild can't stop a writer if they choose to write every single episode for, for a season, but is there something that the writer's guild can maybe put in the contract where, depending on what type of show it is that you must have a certain number of writers working on the project.
1: That's one of the things we actually got in the contract. Got it. Okay. So for a certain amount of episodes, you must have a certain amount of writers. And then depending if if the order goes larger, you must have more writers to compensate for that as well up into a certain point. So that's that's already in the deal. That's one of the things that we actually won, I guess you would say. Uh, but, again, there are some people who will still write. Just because they're in the room doesn't mean they get an episode. It, it means they, they help break the stories, but they don't technically... You're not necessarily getting an episode. That person could still write all of them. But but at least there are more voices and more people get a chance this. But another thing with the strike was about was just making sure the career was still here to give people who are breaking in a chance to, to get to where I I am. Like it's, it's not an easy road. So if you want to, if you want to do this, it it would be, it's nice that this will still be here for you to, to attempt, like to be an assistant, to work your way up, to get in the room, to become a staff writer, and then just climb the ladder, it's it's hard and it's rewarding and it's a lot of sleepless nights, but I wouldn't do anything else. It's the most fun I've ever had doing anything besides maybe playing basketball, which was, I think, it's pretty much tied. Uh, so it's just different releases in my life. Basketball was one, writing is another. And, uh, I'm just glad other people get a chance to take a swing.
2: You call yourself a DC guy. When does your interest in DC appear? And who are your favorite DC characters?
1: Okay. So when I was little, I grew up in uh, South Central LA during the eighties. So it was like gang wars. It was Bloods in the Crips. Like I would come home from school I was indoors like mom's like, are you not going anywhere? So I, and we didn't have a lot of money. So I would just watch TV and I watched everything that came on TV. And I remember watching the old George Reeves Superman, um, in black and white. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And then like the super friends were on Saturday mornings. And then 1990, The Flash came on CBS. And I just started, it was crazy meeting John Wesley Shipp in real life after watching that, like watching that season on CBS and then being on set in Vancouver for The Crisis and hanging out with Grant Gustin and John Wesley Shipp. And then in Crest, it was, I call it superhero summer camp because it will never be anything better than that. (laughs) In my life, I don't care what I do. It is my most favorite memory ever. Because, again, I'm a DC guy. So, they always say you get... if Some people are Marvel people. Some people are DC people. I'm a DC guy. And you get one Marvel person. So, I'm a DC guy and a Spider-Man guy. Like, my friend Jeff is a... He is a DC guy and a Hulk guy. Like that's his favorite. Um, but my favorite DC character, ooh, mm. okay. Side note: Can we milestone Static? I mean, it's yeah. it's it's technically it's Static all the way DC, but he's not technically DC. So I w- I will say Static and. Uh, uh, it's Batman, but it's, it's, it's so much trauma in that answer because Batman is such a a PTSD character. Like his whole existence is, I'm going to make sure what happened to me never happens to anyone else. Yeah. So I'm going to sacrifice my life and live in my trauma to make sure everyone else, I'm going to sacrifice myself. To make sure everyone else is safe. So people don't realize Batman is the most empathetic character in the DC universe. He just breaks everyone's legs.
2: Well, <laughs> there's Batman for me.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh oh, the other DC characters. My favorite is the Flash.
1: Big fan of the Flash. Yeah. Can
2: I meet uh, Brad someday, guys? <laughs>
1: Grant is... You should have told me. I could have called Ooh, Uh Okay. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, Grant's a really good friend of mine. Wait, uh, seriously? Yeah, he's a really good friend of mine. I, um... So, this is what happened. So, I... I was working on Black Lightning. And... I... Season three, we did the Crisis crossover. So, I finally... So, I... I got to write the episodes, myself and uh, Charles Holland, who's like, we're the two comic book guys for our show, for the majority. Then there's a couple other writers that came later who were super comic book people, but we were there the longest, so we got to write the episode. And I got to go to Vancouver for for the filming, which was the best time I've ever had, period. So... I, the first day we were shooting, we were on the wave rider and it was both Superman. So it was Tyler. It was, um, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name, Brandon, Brandon, Brandon Rouse, yeah. it was Tyler and Brandon. Grant was there. Cress was there, uh, LaMonica played the, the monitor. He was there uh David Ramsey was there. It was just wow. it was just a it was just a sea but I was standing on the wave rider with um Candace who plays Iris and uh and Ram- David Ramsey and a few of the other writers who were pe- people of color. And we were looking around saying our 12-year-old selves would have never guessed that this show would have ever existed you know i like
2: i have a serious question did you meet tom cavanaugh
1: yeah i talked to him all the time and
2: carlos valdez did you meet him too and Daniel him did too. you meet all of them
1: Daniel Panabaker is actually very really nice I, I met her she's i talked to i talked to danielle a lot um and because i met her earlier before i went up see When I was writing on Black Lightning, during lunch, I would kind of walk around the campus. So I would pop to other shows just to say hi and talk to people. And I met Danielle when she was shadowing a director before she directed her first episode of The Flash. So I met her prior to going up to Vancouver. So when I saw her in Vancouver, it was like, oh, you're here. And we just talked. Um, I talked to Tyler a lot. He's a great guy, um, and uh, Grant Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh's funny. Talked to Tom a lot, but I met him at Comic Con the year before I went up, so I kind of knew these people before I went up. Um, but Grant, I met because I I I wrote the Black Lightning scene, half of the scene where, um they're in the library and, and they meet on the Waverider and they, um, it's, uh, it's, it's like when Barry and, and, and Jefferson meet for the first time after John Wesley Ship sacrifices himself to save them. And they're, they're really introducing themselves. So I wrote that, that scene and Cress and, uh, Grant and the director, they were all tearing up because it it just felt so real. And then after that, like Grant and I would just talk here and there and we became really good friends going forward. And Cress is my guy, like that's, Cress is my guy. So um, if you have people you want to meet, just let me know. I will try to like make, I will try to make something happen, the conversation, an email, a voice message, something. They're all really sweet people. I,
0: I can't tell you how often, this entire year, Keith has talked about the Flash.
2: I tried to draw Flash characters. Yes,
0: he I kind of loves, failed, but,
2: but I did my best.
0: No, but he loves <laughs> the try. Flash. I mean, I, I did not watch the series, but we did uh, uh, a, the subject about the timeline. Um, yeah, the uh, it,
2: parallels between the Flash movie and season three of the Flash. Right, we
0: talked about that. Oh. Right, and yeah, you know, I had to. Well, I haven't finished season three yet of the Flash, but I, I enjoy it very much. And I, I, I was just.
1: Uh, did you watch season one though? I did not watch season one. Oh, season no. one was excellent. Oh. It was a
2: masterclass okay. in storytelling. You need to I watch. It. You have
1: to watch season one. Is it, it's it is the best season of superhero especially to see that like the arrow is really good but it was really good in that ground it's that nolan batman excuse me it's that in that nolan batman way got it because it's grounded superhero stuff and it was great i love the characters it was amazing but the flash was the first actual superhero show they did hmm. where he's speeding around the city but the best thing about it was just the character work they did like Iris and Barry and then Linda Park. And, uh, there's, it was good. Like, like I was a fan. There's a picture of me at Comic-Con before I started writing on black lightning, standing under the arrow flash billboards, just pointing up like a kid, like this is the coolest thing ever. And the next thing I know I'm hanging out with these people. Awesome. Um,
2: you know, I, I have a question. So you know how in Crisis, um, all the other Wells get absolutely obliterated by the antimatter waves, but then the brainwaves yeah. are channeled into Nash, and then he has visions of them? Do you, do you know how that happened? Like, did the Wells' all get together and devise a plan because they knew the antimatter wave was going to come, and then they all got together and made a device to channel their brainwaves to whoever could survive the longest?
1: You know what? I'm going to say that's probably what happened, because I don't know. The funny thing is, I could ask Eric Wallace, because he ran the flash. (laughs) I'd be like, Eric.
2: I would love if that was, like, the canonical answer to how they're bringing Leithra channel into Nash's head. That would be amazing.
1: Because Nash is the smartest person in the room. Like, well, Harrison, Wells, but Nash, you know, so I don't know that's that's a that's a it's a, a very smart thought. Yeah. Sometimes we 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 like do things by the seat of our pants and they're like, "Oh, that worked out." Uh <laughs> but I would like to think that that is the case. I don't know for sure. Not my show. But Black Lightning does appear in an episode of The Flash in the Crisis. Yes. That is the that's what he Oh, that reminds me. Ah. Oh boy. It is the uh, the binder from the crisis. Wow, Flash vanishes.
2: Oh, uh, the newspaper the, uh, article that they used for yeah, the first six seasons. Flash vanishes yeah, in Crisis. It was supposed to be in twenty three. This is my. Four.
1: This is the script that I from. Yeah, from the crisis. I have all kinds of little cool things laying around. You know
2: what? Can I just can I just have everything in that room?
1: <laughs> I'm I'm gonna probably say no, <laughs> but uh I'm glad you asked because they say close miles don't yeah, get it doesn't also, right? tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're gonna be a little hungry tonight. Uh, but what else is here? I just got I don't know, just I have I have oh, I have the script from the episode after, was is it my, yeah, it's still my episode. Still the same episode uh, where they, cause we shot all over the place cause we were on everybody's shows. So it was the legends of tomorrow side of it where they're basically burying, they're not burying um, Oliver, but it's the, the, when they're all standing around and it's the, the first justice league moment where they sit down at the table and they have like the the emblems on the back of the seats in this big warehouse. Um I have that script signed by all the, the cast members. So it's Ru- so it's the original Batwoman. So I have Ruby signed it. So Ruby Rose signed it. Wow. Uh and then Steven wasn't even supposed to be there that day, so he popped up. So I got Steven. So I got all the I got Katie Lots Grant, I got um I got everyone. Right. Supergirl, Martian Manhunter. It, it's, it's my favorite thing from that shoot. Because yeah. it's it will never happen again because Ruby only did one season. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What a dream come true. Wow.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let's move on then into talking about Black Lightning. Uh so the character was created by Tony Isabella and artist Trevor Von Eden. Issue number one was released in 1977. I didn't even know that Black Lightning went that far back. but So Black yeah. Lightning, if anyone has not seen the series, is a metahuman who uses the power of electricity to fight crime in his community. And he was the first Black DC superhero to get his own comic book series. How did you contribute to developing this character for live
1: action? Um, funny story. So I am the I was the resident comic book guy in the room, uh, <laughs> which which was great and bad all at the same time because I would throw out ideas and then, and then we go, yeah, no, we're not doing that. It's because they wanted to keep it as grounded as possible because of the story we're telling. It, and I, I understood why they did it, but I'm always gonna swing for the fences because, hey man, this is what I do. I, I love this stuff, uh, which is why they hired me because they know I love it. But yeah, I, I was I was helping to like just it's like everyone else just lay the storylines and create the characters and but the the thing I was mostly there for was to remind people like hey this is great I love all this can he like just shoot a couple bolts that way <laughs> just to, you know but. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was that black lightning changed my life that that's that show changed my life. Cause I got, that's the first time I got to do the thing that I loved and to be able to work on a show that hasn't existed before, like the only black yeah. superhero show on network television ever prior the only one that could be in the category is mantis that was in the 9 i don't know if it was early 90s mid 90s carl lumley had an exo suit that he used to clean up clean up crime in in the ghetto in the neighborhood but black lightning it was it was like the the era of let's do cool black superheroes because black panther luke cage and Black Lightning came out all around the same time. Yeah, that's true. And it was, uh, I was proud because growing up, you see all these characters that I loved, like you love the Flash, I love the Flash, Batman, Superman. There was very little, there was very few characters that got a lot of shine that looked like us. Yeah. So to be able to write on a show, and just show the that we aren't a monolith. There are different levels to the black community. We aren't all one thing. And it was great to even have like Tobias Crandon be the opposite side of, 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 black culture. Like he hated black people, like with a passion, uh, yes, he did. some of the best lines I ever wrote were for Tobias whale. My favorite line i I wrote in the series was for Tobias. And it was, uh, sit your monkey <laughs> down before I tell this entire restaurant that the Pierce family or the chocolate cover are incredible. Oh, wow. That my <laughs> favorite line <laughs> I wrote. He said,
2: What? <laughs> oh, that's
1: wonderful.
0: I'm <laughs> basically saying he incredible. told Jefferson
1: to sit down, yes. or he's going to tell the entire, uh, restaurant yes. that uh, the Pierce family were the chocolate covered in right. He
0: was going to reveal their identity. That's, that's, the,
1: that is the awesome. chocolate covered <laughs> I love
0: that. That's. That I got to
1: admit, I giggled when I came up with that one. I was like, that's fine. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so,
0: now, <laughs> you mentioned Static Shock. Now, what is the possibility of bringing that character to live action?
1: Oh man, I hope they do it. Like, and I will always throw my name out. I'm like, Hey, if you ever, if you ever need somebody to help with static, I, I, I'm here just cause that whole universe with Icon and Rocket and static and hardware, it's, it's, you can do so many things, but to me, static is static is the best of the milestone universe, in my opinion, just because it's, it's basically spider it's it's i love spider-man it's spider-man it's it's the kid who lost somebody he loves and he's trying to figure out how to cope with it maybe he gets caught up on the wrong side of the tracks like not because he wants to because he's trying to survive and then he gets caught in this big explosion and he uses his gifts to save the people that are being menaced by the people that are bullying him it's great uh, but I, it, that, that, that movie slash show keeps going back and forth and it, it's coming out, it's not coming out. It's a big tease, but that is the one in that whole universe because it's... People can identify with a 16-year-old kid yeah. like dealing with the loss of his mom, like trying to fit it. The smart kid getting bullied by like other people and he, <clears throat> and he's just trying to figure out who he is and gets these abilities that allow him to be comfortably who he is behind a mask. But it's that thing, it's, it's like when you know you can do something, you have a confidence that you can walk around with that helps you in life. It's like if you know you're great at playing the piano, you have a different, you walk different. Like if you know you're good at something, you feel good enough to like navigate this world in a different way. And that's what static and those characters kind of imbue in other people. Like you have something special inside you. You just got to figure out what that is and then use that to walk through this world with confidence.
0: I like that. Yeah. I, I'm, my guess is that people are looking forward to seeing miles Morales come to the big screen or live action first and maybe yep. that would provide an opportunity for Static to actually appear as well so I yeah you know unfortunately you know people have to see it happening with another character first before seeing it with with the character that they love so we you know Miles Morales <laughs> it's inevitable we're going to see Miles at some point yeah, so I think that's what people are looking time, for. That's what they want to do right now. Do whatever they can to get Miles and then anyone else, maybe shortly after that. But Miles has to work first.
1: Miles has worked. Yeah. That's the thing. He's worked twice. In, in like in animation. Like it's like, what do you have to do to get that character in live yeah. action? And th- the whole um miles as peter parker and like you know there's that whole thing on twitter like miles morales isn't spider-man he's miles morales let me see that
0: i have not no i didn't I see yeah oh, you have okay
1: yeah and, you know and what i always say Man.
0: yeah
2: you can yeah. have two spider-mans yeah so that's just in the same right. universe they're just not the same person
1: yeah yeah but what i would say is no one knows Miles Morales' identity. So when he comes and saves them, they don't say, thanks for saving me, Miles. Right. They say, thank you, Spider-Man. Exactly. That's the end of the argument. Like, it's, just because you know his identity doesn't mean that the world he lives in does.
2: Exactly. I mean, so, that's like that's like being saved by Spider, but like um, Ghost Spider or Spider-Woman or whatever Gwen Stacy goes by, and then saying, thanks, yes. Spider-Gwen. Like, there's a reason to yeah. go by Spider-Gwen, and that's because it's her real name, and she can easily be traced back to the police captain. So,
1: so yeah, right. that's so that's always my answer to that. Like, Miles isn't Spider-Man. I'm like, if you were falling off a building and Miles Morales in a Spider-Man outfit swung over and saved you, you don't know it's Miles. You say, thank you, Spider-Man. And that's the end of the argument.
0: Excellent point.
2: Um,
1: but I, I hope Static comes around along soon because, I mean, Blue Beetle, I, I really like Blue Beetle. I like the Marvels. You like, I thought it was fun. The, the Marvels was fun. It's like, I don't know what you, I don't know what people expected it to be, but I like that Nick Cage. I, I'm not Nick Cage, Nick Fury, Nick Cage. I like that Nick Fury. I like the when he plays it like that. Yeah. I love the relationship between the the three female leads. Like, the villain wasn't that strong, but she had a reason to be upset. Good point. But it was more about the interaction between the three leads and them just you know... I, I really liked it. It was fun. You know, like,
2: you know what's funny? The Marvels is out here doing a whole musical number while Loki is literally using his bare hands to keep the fabric of the universe together.
1: True. But <laughs> the Marvels is supposed to be fun, though.
2: Yeah, I enjoyed it.
1: Like I, I like that movie. Really, yeah, but again, people should watch movies for what they are instead of what they expect them to be. Exactly. Like don't get mad because something isn't the way you wanted it. Well, if you wanted it that way, then go write it. Hmm. Like, if it it comes out, like, if you're a low-key person, just watch Loki. And if you don't like the Marvels because you think it's silly, then don't go see it. But you don't have to bash it because you don't like just the, the setup for it. It's not your movie. It's not for you. So... That's my my uh, thought on that. But I, I'm just here for art and to do cool stuff and to have, like, diversity of thought. Like, you can have Zack Snyder and Rebel Moon, but you can also have the Marvels. It's fine. Like, there's an audience for all. Yeah.
0: Tell us about Ghost Machine. I was very excited to hear about this project um how long has it been in development and why did you want to be a part of this project
1: i i ghost machine kind of grew out of what we're talking about with the strike it's kind of creators owning the stuff that they create and i was lucky enough to be friends and to have worked with jeff johns a couple times prior on things and uh we just clicked as far as telling stories like we like we can kick out a story like fast like we just kind of are on the same wavelength when it comes to that so when he decided to kind of put this it's like i i call it the it's like the super friends but i'm like one of the wonder twins like i'm i'm in there but it, i'm not really i'm like the form of water like i'm just hanging out uh because these guys are like the biggest names in comic books like I've written one comic book uh, for for DC Celebration, which was a Black Lightning, um, but he's like, I love the way you tell stories. I and I we would just kick around ideas about stuff all the time. So the the thing I'm doing for them is an idea for us. I keep saying them. It's my company. Uh, Got to get used to that. It's weird. Uh, it's 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 a story that I wanted to do. Uh, for a while and uh, I'm being allowed to kind of just run through it and, and do it and develop it which is great and the thing about this company is it, it gives you ownership over your own thing like it's we create the comic book but after the comic book like I can write the pilot or for the TV show or I can write the movie or and we're all just always going to be a part of it and It is the first of its kind and to be able to tell stories from scratch. Like I love, obviously I love DC, but if you do if you're doing a, like a Batman and Robin movie, right? It's which Batman? No, it's Batman, but which Robin? Is it Tim Drake? Is it Damien? Is it, uh, is it Dick? Like everyone has their favorite and there's going to be a fight. Based off of it should have been this, it should have been that, it should have been this. This is all original stuff. You're you're on ground zero of something that has never been done before. It's it's image 2.0. And I'm just happy to be along for the ride with these creators. Like we announced it in New York at Comic-Con. And to be around these juggernauts of comics is humbling. Because, like, I've been reading them. I've been looking at their art for years. And now I'm in a room with them as their quote-unquote equal. But I'm just like, I'm just a fan. And I cannot wait. Ghost Machine number one comes out January 24th next year. Uh I don't think the world is ready for what's coming. The stuff is so as a fan like literally like a non-biased answer the book is amazing like the art is so amazing and the different stories are like it, they're drawn differently and the in the the color like the tones in the for the different worlds are so different because there's the there's like the family the family world the the horror world There's the action sci-fi universe, and then there's the unnamed, which are all these heroes that have existed throughout time that you've never known, because they've worked in the shadows. So you can literally do that from the 1700s all the way up to today and just tell all these different stories. But the horror universe, Hyde Street just got announced, and it's going to be killer. Literally, it's gonna be so amazing. it's all amazing. Again, from a fan's perspective, I, I again, I don't know how I'm here, but I'm gonna hold it down and it's gonna be great. and I'm just gonna try to do my best to tell really good stories and tell everyone's story. Uh, so this so everyone feels seen. And represented, and I always say I like to tell stories that build uh, bridges, not walls. So that's what I'm gonna try to do, and make it genre sci-fi, fun, action adventure with some heart, and let's go.
0: And you said the first issue drops on January
1: twenty fourth. January twenty fourth. Okay. Uh, right now, you can go get Geiger Ground Zero which is the first release on Ghost Machine. It came out a few weeks ago. And then the second issue of Geiger comes out next Wednesday maybe, like uh, this this month. And then the first issue of the, this is what all the universes are gonna look like. The, the Ghost Machine number one, it'll have stories from every universe to set up what the stories we're gonna tell in 2024 and beyond and again the artwork is it's it's, their reason these guys are the best of the best uh and it's fun and they're fun and to be so the, the the announcement dropped not in deadline not in variety it dropped in the business section of the New York times. And yeah. that hit me very hard considering, again, I'm a, I'm a little black kid from South central LA uh, who grew up reading and watching and doing all this stuff. And now who would have thought that I would be on the like the front page of the New York times business section launching a comic book company with some of the greatest creators in the last 30 years look i i'm i'm like your son in grant when it comes to that (laughs) i'm still like i don't know how this is happening but i will take it and i will run with it
0: yeah Uh, i i can't wait for it and and there are they monthly issues that are released
1: Uh, starting in April, uh, the whole, the universe starts to, to drop. I don't know. I got to check to see if Geiger is going to be continuing like January, February, March. I think that's a monthly book. The rest of the universe starts to launch in April. Got it. So the one shot is just to get people primed for what's coming. I see. Okay. I'm pretty sure Geiger will be coming out January, February, March. And then it's gonna be joined in April by the these other books. Um but uh they're all again they're all so different. Like
0: And you could pick these up at a local comic book shop, is that right? Local comic book shop. Okay,
1: um and if it's if it's not your local comic book shop, ask them to get them please. Okay. Ghost Machine distributed through Image Comics, which another thing is like Image was still is. I mean, they 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 basically created the model. They left Marvel to start Image so they can do their own thing. And these creators who started Ghost Machine left Marvel and DC uh to come to basically own a piece of what they create. And to be able to like share in the, the process and the fun and the, just it's just again it's just a model that hasn't been done before.
2: Mister McGee, where can people find you?
1: Uh, well, they can find me on Instagram at la mcgee thirty three. Uh, there's no C in my last name, so it's m a g e e. So it's l a m a g e e thirty three at that's at Instagram. Uh everywhere else I'm just plain old Lamont McGee. You can find me on Twitter, never gonna call it X, not gonna do it. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at uh at Lamont McGee and uh that's pretty much and I am on Blue Sky Blue Sky at Lamont McGee as well. Um so that's that's me
0: Congratulations on Ghost Machine. I can't wait to 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 see the the issues. Um thank you so much Lamont McGee. We've been wanting to get you on our podcast for for a while now and um, it's finally here and I'm so glad. I, I you know it's just we have a lot in common and I you know we grew up in the same era of you know the Super Friends and Superman, George Reeves and Batman, Adam West. So this was a joy yeah. to, to just have this conversation with you
1: uh well like i said when i when you interviewed me before i'm like anytime just we finally got this thing on the books and i'm glad i could get this in before the end of the year and uh i'm going to work on that grant situation for you
0: there you go you made one little boy happy i'm telling you you don't know (laughs) thank you once again Uh, thank you so much uh, Again, it's my my pleasure. Lamont McGee, Emmy nominated screenwriter, producer, and co producer, and owner, co owner of Ghost Machine. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this episode of Father Sun Galaxy. Until next time, take care, and we will see you you again.
2: again.